0: Welcome to the backbone. But first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you the backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm/start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm/start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. On this episode, I chat with Elena Armstrong, co-founder and VP Finance at Exact Media, a company that is transforming the world of direct mail by enabling brands to distribute samples and coupons using the excess space in e-commerce parcels that are being shipped to consumers. Elena is an accountant by training, entrepreneur by choice, and a passionate operations and finance leader. Previously, she led operations and finance at Loose Button, one of the largest beauty subscription services in North America, which was sold in 2015. She received her professional training at Ernst & Young, working in the firm's retail, distribution, and manufacturing clients in Canada, Spain, and the Dominican Republic. While at EY, Elena also received her CPA and CA designations, having graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce and major in economics degrees from the University of Toronto. Let's hear from Elena Armstrong, co-founder and VP Finance at Exact Media. Good morning, Elena. Thanks again for hopping on the Backbone and joining me this morning. Uh, would love to get started. And, you know, prior to Exact, uh, you were leading finance and operations at a company called Loose Button. And before that, you were at EY. So talk to me about your path to tech and startups and how it all began for you.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, first of all, th- thanks for having me. Um, and yes, I uh, started off my career at EY. Um, From a very young age, um, I sort of envisioned myself being a lawyer and running my own firm, which was influenced by a movie I saw, pretty sure. And um, (laughs) life led me down a very different path. Uh, But I always knew that running my own business was something that was in the future. I I could see it coming at some point. Uh, So when I was at EY, I actually volunteered for the 2011 Entrepreneur of the Year Gala. Mm, And at the Gala, I reconnected with a friend and uh, fellow Rotman um, alumni, and he had joined Loose Button right after graduation. So we got to talking, um, we exchanged contact information and decided to catch up in a couple of months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he told me everything about Loose Button, uh, the subscription business they were running with the box, and um, how exciting the whole world of the startups was in uh, Toronto. And uh, Shortly afterwards, I joined the team in an operations and finance role. Um, it was such a quick transition, I had not been planning to uh, leave my <laughs> job, it was just very opportunistic, the right thing came up at the right time, and uh, that's sort of how I ended up in the startup world.
0: Great, great, as as you know many stories, you, you never really plan to, but you just kind of opportunity comes knocking and you just find yourself there. Uh, so then from, from um, loose button to now exact, uh, how did that happen?
1: So as we were running uh, the Lux Box, uh, which was uh, which is a subscription business, it's a, mm-hmm. it's an online beauty subscription service for women, and uh, it's very similar to uh, say a magazine subscription, but instead of the magazine, you get uh, a custom box that's curated to your beauty profile. Oh, cool! So we were running this business, and um, we realized, you know, with scaling and our plans of going international, just the opportunity was not there, and so we sort of did a very risky thing by splitting our team into uh, two parts and one part of our team continued running the Luxbox because it was our lifeline and it's why Mm -hmm. we were in business to start with. (laughs) And another part of our team started experimenting with new business ideas. So uh, pretty sure we went through two, three or four different business ideas and pivots sure. and Exact was uh, the final one and the one that we least expected actually to be uh, to be the real business model that um, we, we go with. So it did start, it was born out of a necessity to survive and out of necessity to, uh, uh, out of our want to, uh, to build a bigger business
0: great great so now tell me about uh, exact media then what is exact media all about
1: so at exact uh, what we do is we help brands get their product samples and other offers in the hands of the right consumers and we do this by piggybacking off of empty space in e-commerce parcels
0: ah very cool
1: it's like a two sided marketplace where exact matches large consumer packages companies like Procter and Gamble Unilever Johnson Johnson with major mm-hmm. e-commerce retailers like Zolily and Guild, and they reach consumers in their homes so the simplest example we use very often is um, imagine buying a shirt online and receiving mm-hmm. a sample of laundry detergent in your parcel
0: makes so a lot of opportunity-
1: sense <laughs> mm-hmm. So we give an opportunity for the brands to get their samples to the consumers at their homes where trial rates are much much higher
0: right right and you know if i buy a, a t-shirt or, or a piece of clothing i definitely need to wash it at some point and so uh definitely makes a lot of sense to add in that uh, detergent as a sample much better than you know um having that sample in the grocery store uh or something like that so that makes a lot of sense so that's cool exact media and now you've kind of been through uh an exit with loose button so uh if i I recall correctly, Loose Button was acquired by Topbox in April of 2015. Tell me about that acquisition process and what it meant for you uh, as you served as the VP of Finance and Operations while you were at uh, Loose Button. Mm
1: -hmm. So it was uh, sort of a unique sale where we actually ended up doing an asset sale for the Luxbox assets because at that time we were already running running exact. And uh, April 2015, uh, we did um, have a sale for the Luxbox line, the Luxbox business line uh, to Topbox. And so the initial stages of the acquisition included a number of meetings between our CEOs had to come to to an agreement of what, what it is that we were actually doing. And at that point, Um, We already had the operations of Luxbox and Exact completely separated. So Mm -hmm. I found myself most involved at the earlier stage was ensuring that the terms that they were discussing were favorable for us from a business, financial, and tax perspective. And once those were ironed out, um, that's when I found myself and our legal and tax uh, advisors really take on and run through the due diligence process to close mm-hmm. the deal. So my memory is a bit blurry in terms of the uh, exact <laughs> timelines, but I'd, I'd say it was relatively quick, um, but very involved as it was opening right. uh, once the diligence started to actually close the deal. So it was probably a couple of weeks of uh, consistently working on, uh, on the de- deal. <laughs>
0: Sure, sure. So you mentioned that it was a it was a, an asset deal. Um, and, you know, a, a challenge perhaps is as you're working on both exact as well as loose button, it's really figuring out which parts are part of loose button and that goes with the the acquisition um, with Luxbox um, and which parts stay on board as as you need it uh, for exact. So Um, Were there any kind of unique challenges that you faced um, when deciding what goes where?
1: So interestingly enough, um, I'm going to nerd out here. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier that fiscal year, we had actually planned to uh, formally separate the Luxbox and the exact businesses from the loose button entity. And we were going to do a tax reorg. Um, and basically do a rollover of the assets into two separate uh, corporations. So we had actually gone through the the thinking process and all the hard work that was involved in it. We just hadn't gotten to our year end to actually do the formal rollover. um, Which meant that we had actually gone through the exercise of separating the assets of the two businesses. Hmm. Uh, So so it was very opportunistic that uh, the exit happened at the time it did because uh, typically you are Absolutely correct. Uh, the hard one of the hardest things is to uh, to do that separation between operations of the two business lines mm-hmm. and know what's staying and what's going. Um, because the businesses were pretty different um, in in their operations, and we had already gone through the exercise, it did become relatively uh, relatively easy to to go through the separation process.
0: Nice. So. Even though, again, you didn't mean for it to happen, it, it was just opportunistic and uh, just turned out uh, good in the end that uh, you had done that planning ahead of time. So if, if you think about it, um, you know, back on it now, is there anything that you would do differently today uh, through that kind of acquisition process?
1: I mean, we, we always go through the whole what we call the postmortem of, uh, of any project mm-hmm. and uh, discuss things that we could have done differently. Um, or better. And I find with every deal, there are, there are always these known factors. Um, and then there are the gray areas where you foresee potential surprises from either end. And one of the things that uh, we would have probably done differently is as, as we came across those gray areas or the potentials, probably bringing them up a lot sooner so the discussion happens at the get-go instead mm-hmm. of as the due diligence is progressing, you sort of go back and start negotiating again. Uh, That was definitely one of the things. And um, as with every other deal, it takes away a lot of time from the core business that you're supposed to be focusing on. So always pushing to shorten those timelines.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, especially with um, the diligence processes, some of them can, uh, can be quite extensive. Uh, So definitely uh, hear where you're coming from. I want to switch gears now a little bit back to present day, today, exact. Uh, so Exact is a very unique company, and as you kind of mentioned, it is a marketplace company that connects together brands and retailers. And at the same time, it's also an e-commerce company that's disrupting traditional product sampling. So, in your current role today, um, what are some of the unique challenges that poses that this you know um, unique business model poses to you leading finance at Exact?
1: Mm-hmm. So there, there are a few things that uh, current day sort of top of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is structuring the business for international growth. So we currently operate in Canada and the US, our customers are in Canada and the US, and we're expanding internationally, and we have plans to do so very rapidly in the next uh, year, year or so. So setting up the structure properly um, mm-hmm. internationally and looking what the regulations and, uh, and uh, requirements are as you go out, especially uh, to countries like China. Um, hmm. It's very, it's it's very uh, not time consuming, but I'd say it's it's a Difference. interesting process. It's a very different process because the business is done very differently out there. Right, right. Um, that's one thing. Um, as as the business is scaling and growing, you realize that uh, within the finance function, there's a need to formalize processes and uh, controls
0: and set up
1: to scale. But at the same time, you're still in that ugly duckling phase where (laughs) you want to be nimble and you need to be moving very quickly. So figuring out that fine middle uh, where you still have the right controls and processes, but you are moving fast and uh, your team feels comfortable with with those controls, um, Mm -hmm. that's uh, another challenge, I'd say. And the final one is, we started exact with a very um, hands-on approach. We wanted to make sure that there is a, a product market fit, that there's an opportunity. And right. um, after our fundraise, we've invested a lot more in technology and automating things and removing, not removing the human uh, factor, but automating as much as possible. And as we go through that, um, the way we interact with both the brands and retailers is changing. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of in the midst of planning out that transition from a finance perspective. So a lot of the one-on-one conversations that would happen with the brands and retailers now may have to become automated and become as part of an online platform essentially.
0: Cool. Very cool. And so now uh, I want to nerd out a little bit, um, taking a cue from your previous note. Um, so I, I, I'm sure brands, you know, care about certain metrics and retailers care about something different. And they're both stakeholders for you, as as tends to be the case in a marketplace. You have two sides of the coin. Um, How do you determine the metrics that would matter to each stakeholder and then go about tracking those metrics uh, for each of those stakeholders to keep them both happy? Because it's not like you're you just got one set of stakeholders and then you're just monitoring their metrics. You've kind of got two. So is it like double the work or how is that part like?
1: Um, Essentially, you're you're totally right. Um, I mean, we are working with big brands and mm-hmm. big retailers, so um, that does come with uh, with tracking and keeping two, two parts of the marketplace happy, you're correct. Um, we do have a separation in our team where um, from a specialization perspective, we have team members that focus on the brand side and some team members that focus on the retail side. But Got it. especially when you look at metrics uh, on the brand side, uh, we know that our brands care about their sales, about their market share, and their household penetration, which is also the conversion, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the retailers care about their category sales, um, the number of trips their customers make, and the dollars that they spend per trip. So what we do is focus and hone in on those metrics that the brands and the retailers care about and see how we can help them in those areas. So as an example, for brands, we help them with household penetration or the conversion. And mm-hmm. we also, for the retailers, we subsidize the trip cost for the retailers. Um, and we give them, by giving them the incremental revenue that they get out of the parcels where they wouldn't um, otherwise. Um, in addition, on the retailer side, I would say because there is that surprise and delight factor where the consumer yeah. receives something as a gift, um, there is also an increased, uh, like improved customer experience that will probably help the retailers with with the trips with, with the consumers coming back to them
0: got it got it so when so that's an interesting point so when the customer uh like the end customer who's buying something uh from a zoo like you mentioned they won't know or th- they're not aware that they're going to be getting a product sample is that right
1: so it um it varies time to time, depending on the setup of uh, a specific sampling campaign. Uh, okay. Sometimes we have opt-in campaigns where consumers actually click a button to receive a sample. In those cases, uh, they don't get it as a surprise. In other cases, it's just a complimentary product that is oh, cool. added to their parcel, which they get surprised with, with a little note that you know this is a gift for you from one of our brand partners and
0: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, gifts are always cool. <laughs> so, last question before we hop into a quick fire round: In your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at an early or growth stage technology company?
1: I'd say one of the biggest differences, and uh, I strongly feel that uh, even bigger companies can uh, can take a bit from this, is that at an early stage um, or at the growth stage, the finance function isn't just that the traditional finance function finance wears many many hats and you go from the the traditional finance to operations, HR legal, you sort of do a little bit of everything and you have to be very flexible and be willing to learn more about all of those areas as opposed to stepping back and saying you know I am focusing on finance Right. (laughs) there's just not enough people to go around to do all those other things as well. So it's incredibly important to keep a pulse check on the financial health of the company and make sure you know that you have the sufficient runway that your operations are going well from a financial perspective but it's also very important to support the business in areas where you know you may not have started working with uh, with other professionals and you need to hop in and help with HR you need to help with legal and and sort of take that under your umbrella under your wing. Um, So you kind of end up being a jack of all trades uh, when you're doing finance in a startup, I find. And uh, it's pretty consistent uh, across uh, a lot of my friends who also run finance functions Mm -hmm. at different startups.
0: Yeah, this has been become a common theme on, on this show with, with guests. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that has emerged is that finance is just more, way more than finance. It often involves operations. And operations is this ambiguous term, but it essentially okay. is a catch-all category for everything else so uh, no it's it's refreshing to hear that again uh, from from your perspective as well Um, so what I'd like to do now is hop into a quick fire round and the way this works is I'll ask you a question and you'll have about 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each how does that sound sounds great all right let's do it so what is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related
1: in true millennial fashion, I get news everywhere, uh, but, uh, <laughs> the blogs, um, ABC blog, Twitter, um, I get them everywhere.
0: Cool, cool. So do you use any, I guess, because uh, yeah, like you said, there's a bunch of content, a bunch of news, a lot of resources. Do you use any tools, I guess, to filter through all that noise?
1: I mean, anything curated to my inbox, but... Yeah. Uh, no, no tech tools. Uh, I'd say my my tech tools are more around uh, planning my day uh, and that sort of thing.
0: Got it. I was hoping you'd have some tools in mind so that I could use them myself. But uh, moving on, um, your your favorite productivity hack?
1: I am a big list person, so List okay. is one of my favorite uh, tools um, to to it pretty much runs my life along with my calendar.
0: Nice. And do you have your to doist uh, integrate with your calendar so you'll have all the like when you need to do certain things, etc. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and and last one, one thing you don't leave the office before finishing.
1: I have to check off everything that I did for the day in my to do list <laughs> and then plan my to do list for the next day. <laughs>
0: Got it, got it. Well, thanks a lot, Elena. I really appreciated the time today uh, hopping on the the backbone and chatting with us. Uh, It was really great learning about that, uh, you know, the exit process, what that was all about with uh, uh, Loose Button and Luxbox and uh, what you're up to now at Xact, you know, making sure uh, a a marketplace that connects brands and retailers, how you keep both sides of that marketplace happy. Uh, So it was really great chatting with you. And uh, until next time, Have a good one.
1: Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.